One of the most helpful things I've learned is that I'm not alone. You're not alone. And as we open up to the right people, we'll see our communities grow bigger and stronger. If you find this video helpful, please support us by liking and subscribing. And if you know someone this video can help, please pass it their way. My mission is to help make the world a safer place by sharing with you the stories that saved me. Uh, so you were adopted from Korea when you were three, you and your brother. Yes. By white American parents or people. Mm -hmm. um, what are your first memories from that? The truth is I don't have a lot of memories from, from being young. One of my first memories of that time, I don't remember much. And that was like a really confusing thing for me when I went to therapy when I was 17 years old and I was like to the therapist, but nothing bad has happened to me. I don't remember my time in Korea. I don't remember like being abandoned. And that was such a confusing thing for me because I felt like, as a teenager, so angry. I'm so, I'm in so much pain. Like I was cutting myself. And like I was, but I was like, there's, you know, people would ask me like what you're asking me, what do you remember? And it would be like nothing. So how can I, how can nothing materialize into self-harm in that way? But then my therapist was like, well, just because you don't remember that doesn't mean that it didn't impact you. So things that I've learned as I've self-healed is, you know, we store trauma in our body. Our muscles remember more than our mentality remembers. So it was a confusing Time because I had my my adoptive parents are, and I don't mean to be biased, but they're so kind. They're so they're the most wonderful human beings. So being adopted, my relationship with that was like, why do I feel like I'm suffering so much? But like on the exterior, my life is so blessed. A lot of people will argue that you can't heal something that you can't remember. Yeah. What do you think about that in your experience? I think you can still break down because I think it still manifests in our behavior as adults. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is information. If we become self-aware enough or if we pay attention to what we're doing, we can at least, that can be viewed as like a signal to communicate with yourself. Like one of the things that I developed in my healing, self-healing journey is an embodiment and writing practice. The opposite of embodiment is dissociation. And so as I learned, okay, I don't remember this, why? Because I left my body. That was my three-year-old self saying, I'm gonna protect you. 
go away. <laughs> like, don't be in this body. Um, but when we, as adults, learn new skills to protect ourselves, we can find ways, like yoga, for example, is one way that I trick my body into feeling safe. And so then my intuition, my spirit, myself can enter my body and then I can communicate with my traumas through writing. So if I do something physical like yoga or some sort of embodiment practice, like breathing or just like sort of engaging your senses to bring you back to the present moment. Like I see, I see black wall, I hear a fan. Doing those sort of things will get you back into the present moment. And then as a writer, I've just been journaling my whole life. So, well, I guess it really started with this 90 day yoga journey that I decided to do. And I, huh? Tell me about that. I just love, I guess I, somewhere along my life journey, I heard that 90 days of something creates a lifestyle. 28 days creates a habit, 90 is a lifestyle. Mm. So I was like, okay, well, I'll do 90 days of yoga. And then around a month of that, I just started my, when I was doing yoga, I would have these epiphanies or I would get these moments of insight. So I was like, okay, I'm going to start to write. And then after a month of doing yoga, I started to do yoga and then with intentional writing. And that in tandem with learning, there's neurotransmitters in your gut and in your heart or neurons and so I just thought they were in your brain um, and I was like oh my god these are messenger centers mm -hmm. let's talk to them mm -hmm. like talk to so then I started to do dialogue writing with my heart with my gut and they would respond they would like talk to me they would so I would like like 37 year old Sarah asking my heart, like, who are you? Or like, what do you need? You know? And then write down heart and then just like really sit and like, let your heart respond and answer. And it, it would always answer and it would always be kind of surprising. And that's how I knew it wasn't here. I knew it wasn't my consciousness. It was somewhere much deeper than that. Um, but that I found very, very healing, very practical self-healing. Long distance running was another embodiment practice that felt a lot more like meditation because it really required and articulated how I spoke to myself, mm -hmm. how I motivated myself. Mm -hmm. And the things that I discovered was, were, I'm very mean. <laughs> um, and when I became aware of that, like how I would talk to myself as I'm running, like I would stop in my tracks. If I was like, you're a bitch, like, keep running bitch like you're so slow like and when I would insult myself I would actually stop in my tracks so 
from that experience, I realized, oh my God, there's a relationship from what's going on internally and externally, but there's also ways that we can integrate that. You talk about um, how your adoptive parents are like the kindest people. Yeah. And, and then there's also that school of thought of um, the way you were brought up is how you were talk to yourself. So where did this mean person that's in your head mm. that you speak of, like, where did she come from? That's, well, that I think is just probably... I think my mom is, and we've healed from this. Um, Your birth mom? No, my adoptive okay. parents. You know, they're human at the end of the day. Um, but I think what I meant more about like my biased opinion of them being very kind and loving humans is the, if you talk to the adoptee community about the system of adoption, there's a lot of criticism against adoption because it's, I think we are conditioned as a society to view adoption as this blessing, as this gift, as this salvation for this helpless child. When in reality, because there is a monetary transaction, we can, define adoption as the the commodification of human life because it is adoption can't adopt a child unless you have 10 to 20,000 or more dollars mm -hmm. so adoption is capitalistic and that has a major impact on someone's self-worth mm -hmm. um, self-value self identity um, I think a lot of the shame that I accrued that I uh, blame maybe blame isn't the best word but like that I you know blame adoption for is like some adoptees will use the term transracial because when you know my parents are Irish German and I'm South Korean. What happens when I came over was the need to belong. And part of belonging is looking like them. Um, I think that's just sort of like natural is you want to, you, that's assimilation. Mm -hmm. um, One story that I use to explain to people what goes on in a young mind is I studied uh, sign language in college and when a deaf child is born to hearing adults, that deaf child thinks that when they grow up, they will become hearing. So, cause we're modeling, we're imprinting. So there's huge dissonance when you are South Korean and the world, or America, not the world, but America, <laughs> <Your> such, <world. laughs> America, but everyone is telling you, 
white is right. Yeah. White is beautiful. Yeah. It's not being deliberately said, but it's everywhere. Like earliest memory, Toys R Us. Looking at the dolls. White babies take up most of the wall, and then there's like some black babies. And I remember looking and being like, but none of them look like me. Okay. Well, I related mostly to the black dolls because I knew I wasn't white. Yeah. But I knew I wasn't black. But I was like, that's the close. I'm the closest to that, or maybe like a Latinx baby, or but like I was the same way. Yeah. And I was like, that's. <laughs> but then I chose the white dolls mm. because. That's, well, they at least match my parents. Mm. So at least I can check mark that. Mm. But that was, I think, and that still sticks with me and I still write poetry about that in terms of like, who am I? Because it was very, very confusing. And so you're just surrounded by, you just get a lot of, I think I got a lot of mixed messages about being adopted. Like adoption made me special, but it also made me different. Like I knew at a very young age that I came from a far, far away land. And so I must be important. Like no one gets taken from their family for nothing. Like there has to be a reason that I'm this far away that I was taken away from my native family. Like I must be a superhero because Batman, super Superman, that's what happened to him. He was from another planet and then he came to, you know, so I'm just trying to connect and rationalize why you would do that. Mm. Like why would, why would that happen? So that made me feel like important. I was like, okay, I'm special. But then at the same time, like, you know, we, we need to fit in, we need to belong. And again, that messaging of like, I remember in second grade, um, this boy had a crush on me and another girl who was, they were both Irish. We went to St. Ignatius, so it was Catholic, Irish, Catholic. And he was like, I like you both the same amount, but she's white. And so I'm going to go with her. And I was like, yeah, I guess. But like, so there was just a lot of things happening, like experiences that we're saying is you're going to, you're more attractive if you, you would have been picked if you had been white. Um, so a lot of shame comes from not being white. Um, and I think the other thing with adoption, you abandon yourself, like going back to that dissociation, like a three-year-old, how does she protect herself? She just sort of 
goes away and you prioritize the needs and the wants of the people who are keeping you housed and fed. And so you become a people pleaser. You, you just completely prioritize their happiness because as long as they're happy, you will have a place to stay. And so that becomes your survival. You, you just perform. They'll like that. Smile a lot. Don't, don't confront anything. Just, just be a peaceful, gentle kid. And that's really what I was. It's very agreeable. Um, yeah, it's so hard to put on a child like. I, so my parents are first generation, but I ha- but they were my parents, like they were my birth parents. So, um, and anyone I know who's birth parent who have who grew up with their birth parents, there's a safety in. They're my parents. They're never gonna kick me out. Like they're, you know, they're they can't. They, they're my parents. They can't. They can't abandon me. They can't. You know, and so like I'm, I'm learning literally right now the hardship of like as you speak of there's like two fears of abandonment there. Like you literally were abandoned, mm-hmm. brought to another country, put into this environment that looks nothing like you. And not only does it look nothing like you, but society's telling you that they're better. Mm-hmm. And now there's also this other fear of getting abandoned again because you don't have the safety of, well, they're my parents. And I learned that my parents would have abandoned me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like my mind is like blown right now. I can't. It's a lot. I think the worst part is the self abandonment. Like as I age and I heal, it's really all the ways that I abandon my own self. But like that is at three years old or as an infant like that is you're just put into fight or flight because that's instincts so I think like adoption is just a complicated system I think adoption I think taking care of the helpless is a beautiful necessary thing Capitalizing off of that is disgusting and human and inhumane. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. Yeah, you were you were saying it was trafficking. So yeah. I mean, it's so the whole family is one very famous and large organization that is, in my opinion, responsible for adoption becoming this huge trend or becoming way more accessible because they fought the legal system to change the law so that you could have transactions like monetary transactions internationally of human beings 
because there's laws to prevent that, obviously. <laughs> um, but when the Korean, after the Korean War happened, and so the Korean War was also pivotal in the exponential growth of adoption because the the mixed race of babies was very unappealing to the Korean community. So it's not just America, it's also Korea. I was, I'm angry with Korea too. Um, but, so they had all these orphanages already set up, but like the only real, at one point, the only real barricade was the law. Can't can't take babies out of a country you just can't do that like with no matter how much money you have like you just you can't you're not allowed to do that um so they basically campaigned to get the law they lobbied for the law to change so that um it was legal to have a plane full of infants Cross international borders. So that's what would happen. You'd have like an entire plane full of Korean social workers and infants just being flown over because they were sold to American families. When you word it like that, it's insane. That's, that's what it is. Like, that's. Like, you say human trafficking and we think of the movie Taken or like, you know, we have such a very narrow-minded view of what it is. I don't know if it's narrow-minded, but because adoption is so multi-layered in its definition, we forget that that's... It's a, it's a and it's, yeah, that, that's an accurate articulation yeah. of what this system is doing. Wow. Even if, yes, I, but I'm actually very fortunate to have a family that I since authentically like. Mm -hmm. Like most people don't get that mm -hmm. um, because I think you find a lot of people wanting to save a child. But to me, it's like the scope is that's not that's like putting a bandaid on a on a that's like putting a bandaid on something, not getting at the root of the problem. Because you know, if we cared about this is an oversimplification, but I feel like if you cared of if you wanted to save people, if you cared about people, you wouldn't just take the baby. You would fix society to support women mm. like there's so especially in Korea like being a single mother is incredibly taboo you just wouldn't be able to do it having a child outside of the bloodline also very taboo um, but even in the states like domestic adoption 
you don't deal with the same like identity issues as much but i think that transaction of being sold of all the ways that then because it is a capitalistic system all the ways that these organizations hone in on pregnant moms and coerce them into giving their children away like that isn't really supporting the child or the mom by taking the child away like we need to create a society where we support women. Agreed. Yeah. So what got you into astrology? What got me into astrology? 2013, I took a break from Korea. I came back to America for a month. And in that month, I visited my one of my oldest best friends and we went to see a psychic together in New York and we both stayed in the room for the reading and during mine the psychic was like chakra this chakra 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 and to my friend she didn't use the word chakra once so I was like this is a word for me <laughs> so I just started researching what chakras were and how to un how to balance them, how to unblock them, because mine were all blocked. And that is sort of what, that's when I found Reiki. And that's what sort of started my like spiritual, mystical journey. The learning about chakras is, is what really kick-started that like rabbit hole into my spirituality. How has astrology helped you in life? So where adoption used to be my origin story, but it used to also keep me in victimhood. Mm. It used to be like, that's what happened to me. Mm. Where astrology is, I can make this happen. Mm -hmm. I um if you use it correctly astrology can be very empowering it can be a, a tool for for self understanding so that you then create your own i don't want to say you create your own identity but you create your own narrative. You create your own story. Okay. Um, can I ask you something real quick? Yeah. Do you want to do a really quick reading in front of everybody? Okay. I have my chart in my phone. Okay. Let's look. You want to see, you want to show yeah. people what you can do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 